up, people? Welcome to a brand new episode of Wrestle Update. I'm your host, Dylan Fox, as always, joined by my running mate, my partner, not in crime. We're not criminals around here, but we just love wrestling a lot. Nella Day on Hadis. It's so good to have you back. And in a special night recording, this is immediately, literally, it ended like five to ten minutes ago, recording of Wrestle Update after Grand Slam. Yeah, this is about as fresh as it can get outside of a live commentary. So uh, I'm excited to chat about it. As always, I'm stoked to just talk with you. Um, I'm ready to update the world on wrestling. That is exactly what the show is about. It's right in the name there. I thought I was re- – well, it wasn't me. My sister named it, actually. We still got to get her on the show at some point. We, we've got to get Cheyenne on. Tiger Cats W just returned on my other show, the Eastern Larry Network. So uh, Cheyenne's back in the podcast game herself on a smaller level. She's very shy to, to come on. She will review any Ibushi match. I think I said that last week. What did you think of the – <laughs> the 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 cover art I designed for last week's episode, obviously a parody of the PWI cover. Oh, when you sent me that picture, I got so stoked. I was like, that's Vixen. Oh, my gosh. And I was hyped. And then <laughs> Big Dust. Yeah, Big um, Dust. I gave a spot to. I think it was such a great representation of the good, the bold, and the beautiful. You know? So... It was that was such a fun show to do. That was <laughs> <laughs> it's it was a definitely like I said I really don't think you will find any other any other show quite like that one last week. So I have to highly advise people to go back to the last episode on the PWI <laughs> episode at least for the the first forty minutes or so. Um, Hideo Kojima definitely should have been in the PWI five hundred. That's right. I forgot Kojima was on there too. God, so many Easter eggs on there. That was my favorite one. I'm not going to lie. I know this maybe sounds like an egomaniacal thing to say, but I did make myself laugh when I saw the finished product and saw Kojima there. Uh, and it fit in. We actually – it actually fit with the episode as well. So uh, it's a unique show. I like I liked the vibe we've got going on. We've got you uh, in uh, on the Five Star Network as well. Everybody wants you. Everybody loves you. Uh, you know, I, I knew and I knew it all along. That's why I always say this isn't the Dylan show. We're both vital parts of this. Well, you, that's why you, you're my partner. But again, not in crime. We do not commit crimes on this show. Uh, that's not something we advocate at all because that would be illegal. And I don't want any problems with any law enforcement agencies out there. Uh, for yeah, sure. if you if you want any of that, you have to listen to our other show, Crime Update. <laughs> just uh, just uh, giving us all updates on the crimes we commit daily. <laughs> okay, I, I I don't know if that show's a good idea. I didn't sign up for this, but hey, listen, in wrestling, I'm sure there are a lot of subjects for a show like that that we could interview on for bring interview on for that. But no, regardless of all that, it was a fun episode last week. This is much more traditional uh, this week. And even though it's a little different, too, a little different flavor, too, here uh, right after the show, Grand Slam from Arthur Ashe Stadium. We previewed the whole show last week. There were no secret matches or anything like that. We just talked about every match on last week, and there was some uh, surprise finish, especially one that was a pretty large surprise, I would say. Uh, But regardless of that, we talked about it last week, and, and a week's passed. All kinds of stuff going on in wrestling and just in general. Uh, Japan. I saw you watch the Big Japan on your Twitter account uh, there earlier, which I appreciated as well. 
Uh, but a lot of stuff's going on. When it came time to it, the bell hit for the first match and the show started. You saw that intro for Dynamite. What was your feeling on the show? What were your vibes like? Were you fired up for the show or were you like, ah, let's see how this goes? I was really excited. Um, like Eddie and Claudio was definitely what drew me in. Um, I was hoping for some surprises, perhaps some big angles. Uh, I feel like we got some of that. Maybe not as intentionally as I would have hoped for. Um, but no, and I was in a voice chat with some friends, so I was pretty pumped up, honestly. I typically um, I finish work at like five, right? And so I should always know when Dynamite starts, but every week I miss like up to an hour to the first 90 minutes of it. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's on. So it's it's crazy. But you weren't missing this episode. Oh, no. Uh, in fact, like I said, as soon as the show started, you me- you text messaged me saying you wanted to do the show tonight. And I was very happy and excited because I, I was coming in. I'm not going to say that I was down on the show, per se, but this one wasn't like there was nothing on the show that was really grabbing me outside of the potential and which we did end up getting, obviously, with Eddie. Uh, You know, I thought that that was something that much like you, that's what I was really drawn in by the most. Obviously, there was some good wrestling on on the show. I knew we would get it. Uh, The other angles, obviously, we've spoken about the main event plenty at this point. We will again later. But that. Sammy and Jericho, lukewarm. You know, I, I wasn't too down. I thought they tried their best. It's just the angle happened so late, you know, and the women's stuff. We talked about it last week. We said, and you said specifically, that the women needed to have a great match for the division's sake as much as their own. Did they deliver it to us? Let's find out. But we will talk about that in a little bit. At first, we have to talk about the match we both were most anticipating on the show, which is, of course, the opening match. Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight title. And I will say right off the bat, uh, I really enjoyed how they set this up in the entrance where they had a backstage. They showed Claudio, uh, you know, warming up with Utah. Uh, Eddie had Penta next to him as well. Uh, So, like, they were kind of training and then they got right to the entrances and got right to the action. And I really appreciate that little... Uh, detail that they had here. Uh, you had Ian Riccoboni on commentary as well, representing Ring of Honor. They brought him in uh, to the group with Excalibur, Taz, Giovanni. Uh, they all commentated it together. And uh, this was actually the second longest match of the show, besides the main event. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But with both the strong open weight title and the Ring of Honor title on the line, what did you think of this match? You said it was the one that you were anticipating the most. How did it live up to your expectations? Um, I really enjoyed it. Like from the opening bell, I loved Claudio coming out in the Ribera jacket with, you know, the green trunks, obviously like a nod towards Masawa. So having that again, I'm a sucker for dialogues, right? Um, it's like something that Bailey and Sasha were very known for in WWE. Remember, it was like yeah, their yeah. gear was always in dialogue with something from the past. And here it was, you know, pretty overt, especially with uh, Kingston's love for Kawada and just, I mean, the Kings Road in general. Um, God, yeah, it was, uh, it definitely delivered. Um, 
I thought from the moment it started, it was just total action, all gas, no brakes. Uh, the backdrop from the inside the ring to the entrance ramp. Uh, I was like, God, that was one of my favorite spots in the match. Um, I like when Eddie clocked Claudio with just that straight shoot punch, just boom. And then Claudio wind up tagging him back, you know, a lot of, or I guess I should say a lot of, of a great mixture like King's Road and sort of just like really pissed off, you know, American wrestling. Um, and I really enjoyed the whole final stretch from the Ricola bomb kickout to then Eddie tagging Claudio with, you know, the multiple shurikens, the, um, oh my God. And then he did the, not the Northern lights bomb, but it was something before that. I can't remember. But um, or then he finished it with the power bomb. Anyway, now I'm rambling, but I loved it. I this was the match of the show for me, by far. Um, I'd go like four two five on this bad boy. What about you? Coming in hot and heavy with the four and a quarter star rating here for this. <laughs> I like that. I, I like your vibe there. I think personally, the match would not have been as good without the finish that we had. You know, if Claudio had won, I think that would have taken a little bit away from the match itself. I loved the hard-hitting action at the start. It wasn't a match where – it was in a lot of ways to me. I thought it was great that it was a Ring of Honor title match and not maybe an AEW title match because the style they wrestled was almost antithetical to the usual AEW style. What do you think of the AEW wrestling style overall? Fast pace, flashy moves, cool stuff that you is great. There's a million great jiffable moments in every match, pretty much in AEW. But in this match, it, there really wasn't that much of that. It started off very slowly paced, uh, but hard hitting. Everything had effort. Everything had impact to it. Uh, I liked the way that they worked, and they built up to those big spots you mentioned as well. Uh, obviously, Claudio, I think, is just a fantastic performer in the ring. He's been a great champion, and in some ways, I'm sad to see his title come to an end. And I'm especially sad because the idea of him getting more run in New Japan, maybe getting some kind of match at the Dome, uh, if they wanted to involve Strong more, I would have absolutely loved to see to have seen that. But Eddie, for the emotions the feelings, the story that they told, of course he had to win. Uh, I thought that was really well done. So I enjoyed a lot about this match. Uh, some could say that it was a little too slow if you are more in the vein of a, you know the usual AEW wrestling-style fan. But for me, I really enjoyed it for what it was. And I agree with you. Uh, I thought you know it was up there. The international title, I thought, had its uh, positives and negatives as well. But I thought this was the match that grabbed me the most, especially by the end. A great celebration for Eddie. And then I especially loved – they teased this multiple times, and I do think ultimately it was to build up to what we would say see in the main event, uh, which we didn't know about when we first saw it, of course. But I loved the respect shown. They're finally putting all of this decade-long rivalry since the Chikara days. They finally shake hands, show respect. Eddie gets his moment. It's the wins he's needed in AEW. I think he's been one of the more under-pushed guys in AEW proper. He hasn't gotten that big moment, or when he has, it basically slipped under, you know, slipped out through their fingers a little bit when he beat Jericho. I I wish that we had gotten here a little bit sooner, 
in terms of a big win in AEW. But for the Ring of Honor story, for the Ring of Honor style, I thought this was very, very strong. Uh, I gave this four stars. It was a little bit lower than you, but I thought it was a legit great match and a great package overall. It, it made me feel good after watching it. Like, ah, we're off to a good start tonight. Man, badass, brutal, feel-good wrestling. What more can you ask for? Uh, I agree, too. Like, I am... Claudio is Ring of Honor champion. He always delivered great matches. Um, I'm really happy for Eddie, obviously. And I will say I'm more drawn to actually watching, like, weekly Ring of Honor now. Um, and I, Claudio world champion. Honor, it really established him as someone who could fill that role when so many people said for so long that he just was like he had that ceiling as like a Cesaro, right? And now that he's established himself as like capable of being that main event top guy, I'm really excited for him to because this is kind of like the first time since he's been in AEW that he feels kind of free of like, you know. Not necessarily the shackles of Ring of Honor, but now I feel like he isn't necessarily limited to more so Ring of Honor things, right? Like he can really do anything right now from New Japan to character changes, whatever. I'm just um, I'm excited to see how he, you know, runs around now that he's free to run wild. Uh, And to me, like Eddie is the heart of a company. Right. And to have that beating heart now of Ring of Honor um, I'm really excited to check it out next week and just watch it and see kind of how Eddie as a world champion goes. I'm stoked. And I thought that of all the matches, and obviously, again, we'll talk about other stuff later, where I I think, honestly, out and I, even, the, even the international title, honestly, if you – I'll give them credit on one thing here. If you look at all five matches on – uh, matches on this card. It's something we really didn't hit last week when we, were, when we were previewing the show, but I will give them some credit because I think it was a big issue, maybe with All In, with a lot of their pay-per-views, actually. But if you look at all five matches on this show, which was on free TV, it wasn't a pay-per-view, I would say every one of them may at least, again, some of the stuff hit for me. This definitely hit, but some of the stuff didn't. We'll talk about it. But all five matches at least made an attempt to have an emotional impact. There was an emotional hook to it. And obviously the four other matches, you look at Jericho and Guevara. They have a long history as well. They had their match. Phoenix and Moxley, you had the crowbar attack. You know, it was supposed to be a triumphant return for Phoenix. You had the women's title match. They were friends that broke apart. And the main event has all sorts of melodrama and stuff to it. So every match at least attempted to have an emotional connection on the show. But yet still, when I saw it happening, when I, we preview it, and then after the show's over now, I still think this was the most emotional match that was successful in my opinion because it was it felt real. You know, we know that Kingston has not won a title in this company uh, or a major match, you know, in a big way that meant something. And this feels like it really can lead to something more. This felt like the most real to me. And I love the emotional edge it brought to the show as a whole. Yeah. I'd also say like, I may, maybe I say this for every AEW show, but flip this with the main event too. Oh like, yeah. Absolutely. Cause I know MJF's the hometown hero too, and he can kick it off in the opener as well. Right. But the, the weight of the finish to this match as opposed to the main event 
which was like the same ending as well. And this one was so much more earned than the. Yeah. It was like earned versus that the the one at the end had to have so many bells and whistles added to it, right? Oh, maybe an injury. Oh, like Adam Cole has to run out all these things. And I was just like, fuck, dude. And especially the handshake at the end. Again, the exact same finish to the main event is this. Weird. Yeah, this one felt much, much more earned than the, the handshake at the end, which we will talk about. I have a lot to say, I promise. I'm sure some of our longtime listeners know where I'm going to go with this. But if you don't, uh, to keep tuning in. You will see what I have to say about the main event and the handshake at the end, which um, all I will say is I thought this one was much, much more well done and much better earned, I would say. I also have to say, too, how good is Riccoboni on commentary? I thought he did a great job. Uh, was a great addition even to a four-man team. The commentary in AEW, we both talked about this before. There's times where Shivani, Excalibur, even Taz sometimes, they have their good parts. It's not like they are just these terrible performers that suck so much. I don't feel that way with them, but they have their ups and downs. <laughs> Let's just put it that way, our commentary. I thought Rick Abani was so good, so professional. Uh, I thought he added a lot to this match, and I like that they took that time to make it stand out. I will say one thing I would, uh, you know, just a little constructive criticism. It's not like a big deal, like a very minor thing to me. Uh, I do wish that they would, uh, you know, maybe do a little bit more when it comes to the Ring of Honor factor. Hype up these matches more, uh, you know, really hype the show up more because I think there was a lot of great talk. I thought they called the action really well in the match. I thought Rick Bonney again, still did a great job, but I wish that there was more of a push for Donner club. You know, what's going to happen next? Set something up. Eddie Kingston will speak live on the next show. You know, something like that. Uh, drive people to watch this show, which is really, it doesn't have a lot of viewers. We all know that, but from the people who do watch this, it's well-respected. You have great stuff going on with Athena as champion. Claudio, amazing champion, worked in AEW and Ring of Honor. And like you said, Kingston, it's not like he's going to disappear forever from AEW. But I do that's something I do hope they do in the future. Give us a reason to tune into these Ring of Honor shows. Uh, when Kingston is on AEW from now on as the champion, I hope that's something they hit more going forward. Yeah, agreed. Um, and again, like Cesaro was definitely um, the type of character who, you know, he's a warrior wearing his trophy. Yeah. And I think like, you know, he's a badass and that's great. But also like that's not going to draw me in in the same way that Eddie can weave a story. And again, it's to say like it's just different characters. I think Cesaro's reign or goddamn Cesaro. Now, I'm, <laughs> now I feel bad. Claudio's reign. Sorry, All of the matches were phenomenal, but um, yeah, again, this brings me closer to watching weekly television for them. Yeah, and, it, and like I said, it was a really good match. <laughs> you know, definitely some good stuff here. I could see it being a little polarizing. I mean, we're doing it right after the show. We really don't have any ratings on Cage Match. Sorry, guys, out there in the ranks. I, sometimes I like to to look through the reviews and pick some good ones that I see, but there ain't really any yet. Uh, but we will, in the future for sure, have some more good reviews on there. But the fact is I can see this being a little bit polarizing once there is once there are more ratings for it uh, going in there. So it was good stuff. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed this match for sure. The next match on the show was... Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, uh, as we talked about last week. 
it was one of those things where there's been a lot of twists and turns to all of this that you saw the video last week. I thought they put in a good effort one week out to make this seem like something. It's just a shame that the actual story has been really hot and cold. You know, at times they'll hype it up. They'll say something. Jericho will tell him he needs to get out of a shadow, but then they'll reform the tag team randomly. And then they'll beat Aussie open. And then now we're fighting. And they had set this up to where in the preview promo for this show, Sammy told Jericho, we're going to fight it out and have an epic match and, and I'm going to beat you. And then we're going to win the tag titles. And there was some tension there. And it would at least make sense. We thought, uh, at least I thought for sure on the preview that whoever won, they would continue this team and tell whatever story they have to tell and drag this out more of a long, in a more of a long-term fashion, which I was completely wrong on because they, now, first of all, let's just talk about the match real quick. I thought this was definitely a step down from the first match for sure. I think Sammy looks good in the ring with his moves and his high flying. He's much more of, again, the traditional AEW type of wrestler that you think of. He had some spectacular moves, all kinds of transitions into diamond cutters and things like that. Um, You know, Jericho, he was doing his thing. There was a spot that I really liked where Sammy did a lion salt, but he did it from the top rope. And it didn't work. And then Jericho did his own lion salt, and it did work. It kind of told a good story of the veteran outsmarting the youngster. But overall, I thought the match was not that engaging, to be honest. Uh, you know, it wasn't super hot. And I kind of blame the booking for it in a lot of ways because I felt like there was a couple of weeks ago. Look, Go look at the segment where Sammy ran in with the chair to save Jericho <laughs> from the beatdown of Callus and the others. And he got a huge babyface pop. I think it was at the show in Nashville, uh, but he got a huge reaction. I thought, OK, finally, you tried to push this guy for like two or three years. He was really unover as a babyface for mu- much of it. And you had the heel stuff, but you finally succeeded. People are finally rallying behind him. Uh, it seems like it's his time. And then, of course, they immediately turned him heel here as after the match. Um, the match itself ended with a great finish to the shooting star into the code breaker. I thought looked really good. Great selling too from Sammy where he just went totally limp. His arms were flattened out. It was really good, uh, finish there. And I really enjoyed that. The match itself wasn't that inspiring, but I thought that they, that Sammy tried his best to create some movement around Jericho and Jericho. Uh, he had a very spectacular finish. There were some good things in there, but I didn't think the match was that engaging. So before we get to the angle afterwards, what did you think of the wrestling itself? So this is actually the official um, Nella went to get food during this match of the <laughs> week because it's right after I finished work. Um, I straight up walked back in the room right as the finish happened. I thought that was cool. The Codebreaker looked nasty, honestly. Yeah. Like the Codebreaker is for me, like the Codebreaker and the Meteora are two moves where if you do not make them look nasty, they just look like. Like you're hugging them or like tucking them into bed pretty much. Yeah. Um, so it looked effective. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, again, I'm not going to claim to be a Jericho or a Guevara fan necessarily, yeah. but it's one of those things as an AEW watcher. This is a match that has like that hasn't happened for what four years now that's been like slowly hinted at built towards and it feels so unceremonious like this um 
I don't know, like agreed with last week. They really tried with the video and then like sort of just the, the dual promos by them. But I can't say, um, I don't know. And maybe I went to get food because I, they never really made me interested in this match, even with all the history where it should feel like it like will write itself. Right. But there was no natural. They didn't get here in any sort of effective way. It felt it, it was very yeah. Rhonda and Shayna in the sense of like, oh, well, we want to do this now, you know, Um there was no slow burn and like, which is so weird after four years. Right. And they had like, the opportunity to do it even more if they didn't do what they did after the match. Yep. And um, okay. I will say though, I like that Sammy's with Callis for a few reasons. One, if Sammy's going to lose, uh, I don't see what else he could have done besides attack Jericho. It's one of those cliches that works. Um, and then I think Callis desperately needed another stable member um solely because the second he touched guevara Takeshita was given his own identity right because now that callus is building a stable Takeshita went from callus's assassin to the assassin right and now sammy guevara is like i don't know the fucking problem child or something you know but like now they're starting to become part of a group rather than just a lackey type thing, you know? Um, and, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. And again, that's, that's the way that I felt afterwards. So we'll see if that actually plays out. Um, but yeah, like Guevara, he, he needs a mouthpiece. I think him and Jericho just need to split up. I'm not excited for Callis to keep feuding with Jericho, which it seems like it might happen now or, I don't know. Like this is <laughs> this is the American version of Mayu Iwatani losing Starlight Kid to Natsuko Tora. I'm just in tears over it, Dylan. Well, that that's <laughs> quite a comparison. <laughs> uh, let's uh, for Sammy's sake. I hope his run goes a little better than Starlight's has with her win loss record recently. <laughs> in the five-star Grand Prix, I will say that. Although, obviously, I'm a fan of hers. <laughs> like, Starlight, great look. Uh, the heel turn really reinvigorated her. But that storyline was so weird, too, now that I think about it. Because if you remember, Iwatani beat all five members of Awaito Tie 5 on one to win her freedom back. And then she was just like, no. Like, I don't, I don't want to yeah! go... I want to go with these losers. Now you just beat five on one. Uh, so very poor storytelling on Stardom's part for sure. I just think that why couldn't we have gotten a tag title shot out of this and then do the turn? Like at least you would have had some more stakes. Do promos every week where you hype up that you know you're just that much closer. Very Japanese style t- storytelling. Now you've been up, uh, bring up the Japanese wrestling with Stardom. A very Japanese style of storytelling where each loss brings you a step closer to your goal. I think they could have done that and drug this out a little bit more. So to when the turn does happen, I'm fine. I totally agree with you about what you said about him joining Callus, by the way, uh, the family and all of that. I think they needed more people. And I think he's a fine person in multiple ways. I think I could easily see him and Takeshita having great chemistry uh, as a potential team in the future as well. I think that's a really good pairing. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say as much as I despise Callis, like, damn, he would be a voice. 
I would love that. I would be super down. It's kind of, you know, when Blackpool started and we were all like, oh, Lee Moriarty, Daniel Garcia, yeah. um, you know, Takeshita. And then we got and Wheeler. And I, dude, Wheeler's my fucking favorite. Yeah, um, I love that guy. Uh, Huta? Mita? My friend Nikki got that <laughs> video with him this weekend. I was pretty stoked. Yeah, awesome. Nikki is in a band called Buio Omega, and they played in the ring at Wheeler Yuta's indie show this weekend that they put on themselves. It was cool. Oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I just I, I would really love to, like, as you were saying, the family gets fleshed out. And, you know, I, I think keeping this. I think every faction thrives off of like any sort of group or system. right? It thrives off of rules, not in a rigid sense, but in the sense yeah. of like theme, establishing something right. Like the pinnacle didn't work because it was such fucking rain. of guys like, what's the point of yeah. this? Like there's Just really no point of talent. Yeah. Yeah. Blackpool combat club works. Cause it's all badasses, Right. And I feel like if Callis keeps up this trend of the young guys, um, I don't necessarily think you need Garcia um, just because him and Sammy were just paired up as well. Maybe yeah. they do. And then they go for the tag titles. I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see what he does with this stable and narratively it clicks with me just because, you know, if I'm a Takeshita Guevara you know, Callis is very persuasive and his whole thing is like, I built Kenny Omega, yeah. you know, and that's the wrestler that a lot of people strive to be. Yeah, that's a great point. And I hope that they play with that uh, going forward. I think that's a very interesting storyline point you can point to for these guys. So I like the I like him joining Omega. I wish that we had delayed it a little bit just to flesh things out a little bit more, because when you think about it. This probably won't come to a head for another few months now, and it's like we've already hit the like one of the main storyline points of him finally turning on on Jericho. Um, I like the the entrance too. I forgot to mention when he came out of Jericho's light up jacket. Um, definitely, you know, re, you know, going back to the old Jericho days with the the light up jacket and everything going on there. The the end of the world, <laughs> Jericho with the lights going on there. Sammy had it. Uh, he, he got wrapped out to the ring as theme song. I He has, to me, I will say this. He has one of the better entrance themes in AEW, in my opinion. Great flow on that. I love the beat and everything about it. Uh, so I, I like that. I like the entrance. It just didn't connect. I don't think they have great chemistry together, actually, as opponents, despite being together for so long. Uh, I would have liked to. Yeah, I'm with you. I hope that they just kind of, now that we've done this, I don't really need to see a big blow off, to be honest, or something that takes forever, kind of like Jericho's feud with Ricky Starks. Uh, I hope they just keep them apart and maybe work on this family a little bit more. And they teased, like you said, there was a backstage segment where Sammy was walking backstage. He walked up and got super heated, like, what the? And then Callis was like, whoa, whoa, your money, your money. Uh, so he, we know Callis from Dynamite, too. He wants Garcia in the faction, as you mentioned. So. Mm-hmm. To me, it makes more sense for Garcia to not join the faction uh, and join Jericho and like aid him and be like, I was the one that was really loyal to you all along. Uh, <laughs> that, that that seems like where they're probably going. But like I said, I thought they were a fine team when they actually worked together, e- even as a team before. I just think those two and Takeshita together, that is a great unit, uh, I feel like. But if they could get a third man, that's something I would like to see. If they could get a worthy third guy, put them in the trios belt 
mix. I think they would be a great team. You could have some spectacular matches. Uh, they're really focusing on Takeshita right now. Like you said, as kind of the assassin. Uh, looking at Kota Ibushi coming up in the next uh, you know, couple weeks as well with Wrestle Dream coming up. So he's got a good path either way. And uh, the match was okay. I didn't think it was anything you have to rush out to see, but it wasn't terrible either. You know, we've definitely seen worse, like Jericho matches in the past, to say the least. So then we got a vignette of Roderick Strong in the hospital here. Uh, Still in his glasses, still in the neck brace, which we have seen last week that this is a fake injury. Like they had showed that last week. Uh, when he uh, faked going down for Adam Cole. So they're no, in the hospital. No, that's see, I'm going to pull the Rick Ross here and say, allegedly, I'm Team Roddy. I don't think Roddy's faking it. So, <laughs> uh, well, far be it for, listen, Roddy Strong, one of my absolute favorites, uh, even though he is uh, the Tommy Wiseau of wrestling right now. <laughs> like, regardless of that, uh, he came in there. He's screaming, Adam, <laughs> Adam. And then Adam Cole runs in. He's like, hey, I'm here. I'm here. And he's like, he just keeps screaming at him. And he's like, dude, I'm right here. And Roderick, finally, he's like, you came. Wow. And Adam Cole's like, oh, of wrestling right now. <laughs> regardless of that, uh, he came in there. He's screaming at him, <laughs> at him. And then Adam Cole runs in. He's like, hey, I'm here. I'm here. And he's like, he just keeps screaming at him. And he's like, dude, I'm right here. And Roderick, finally, he's like, you came. Wow. And Adam Cole's like, of course I came. What are you talking about? The kingdom are there. They're pissed at Cole, and uh, they leave, and then we're led to believe – and, like, <laughs> the funny thing is then uh, I, at some point in the show, they then do a vignette where uh, MJF is like – he pulls up to the arena in his Porsche, and Adam Cole gets a phone call from Roddy, and he's acting all paranoid and emergency and all that. I think these vignettes aired out of order because the hospital one aired first. And then they showed him going to the arena and Adam Cole getting the phone call from Roddy. And then he had to rush to the hospital. And then MJF was pissed that Cole wouldn't be there for his match, which we all knew how that was going to play out <laughs> in, in the end anyway, if he had any sense. But, yeah. Oh, was- I didn't think about that. I Because, OK, that definitely makes sense. I took it as like Cole had already gone to the hospital that he's there to support max it's like okay he did roddy time now he's gonna do maxi time and it's like right when he goes to max roddy's drawing him back now right oh yeah i guess you could take it that way as well i just thought it was well how did he get into his porsche then did mjf also was he also in the hospital room visiting erotic roddy i have no clue i'm not good at math so i didn't like the color of the porsche (laughs) either to be honest this was this Dark green, maybe it shades of the New York Jets he's trying to go for, even though he had the Bills logo on his jacket when he came out. So who, whose team are you on, MJF, is what I want to know. Everyone's you know? in New York, straight up. <laughs> and the Jets aren't even in New York, which Taz rightly called out that the Bills are the only actual New York team, as the Jets and Giants both play in New Jersey. But <laughs> they call it New York uh, for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah. It was a the hospital stuff was amusing. Uh, I will give them that. Uh, they're they're very much leaning into that, and we'll see where it goes. Then we got another segment with Christian backstage, and he basically said, "There's no chance that the Yankees or the Mets win the World Series this year," which is accurate if you've seen the play. <laughs> I will say that. I like how he covered both of his bases because MJF when he came out, it was all Mets. 
Like he had the the font, the logo. It was all Mets, but Christian made sure to also insult the Yankees just in case there were any Yankees fans here. Uh, so I like that. All, all or nothing, he just said it's going to be a triple threat for the TNT title uh, with him, Darby, and uh, Luchasaurus, but Sting cannot be there. So it's basically going to be a two-on-one match. And I guess the drama is, will Christian steal the title technically from Lucha, even though he has already stolen the title? I don't know. I mean, Darby's great. I'm sure the match will be awesome, but I can't say this this storyline really grabs at my heartstrings. It's just amusing with Christian. Christian is such a great promo that anything he does works, even if it's kind of dumb. Dude, I loved Christian doing a triple threat with him and Luchasaurus. Yeah. It's like, I am absolutely living for Christian right now. Um, He's great. This is Dynamite next week or Collision? I don't I don't remember. That'd be, I think that'd it's, be honest. Okay, I think it's collision actually because they advertised yeah. R V D after, but Yeah, I'm yeah, like, you're dude, right, you're right. My gut, and when I say my gut, I mean the sicko part in me that has all of these <laughs> fantasy booking ideas that literally never come to fruition. Um but this has to be where Edge debuts, right? Even the odds. And then he turns on Darby too. Um and then he also is a TNT champion. Like that would be incredible. Um like Edge and Christian co-holding the TNT championship would actually be awesome. remarkable, especially when you just essentially lost your second world champ, right? And Moxley, no disrespect to Phoenix um, whatsoever, but I think that like international title, absolute workhorse title, especially in the same way as Rollins' world championship is. I think that Moxley helped bring it up to a main event level, though. Um God, I'm not even trying to jump ahead. Anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, long story short of that, uh, I did see your edge edging joke on Twitter that you made, and I appreciated that. Good oh, job. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that, that's the kind of comedy you get from Aniello on, on, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, five O's, people. Five O's. Five O's. <laughs> but we go to the international title. Since I know it's very important and we hot on your mind right now, <laughs> uh, Ray Phoenix challenges John Moxley here. They played a little bit of a video showing how Phoenix got uh, hit with a crowbar. This is his redemption story. He goes in here. So this match was a pretty hard hitting match, I will say. Um, Moxley ended up hitting this like Randy Orton style DDT on the outside from the guardrail. He gave a middle finger and then dropped the, the DDT. Uh, looked great. Great bump that Phoenix took. Uh, and they were going on and on. Phoenix came back. He ended up getting him over the top rope and throwing him over the apron. But instead, he tried to do like they said it was a leg drop, but it was really more like a diving kick almost. But it, it didn't look great, to, to be honest. Uh, like, the idea was probably, like, just totally nuts and wicked, but the execution wasn't that great. Uh, but regardless, he came in. They went onto the ramp, which is where they started. I like the start of the match where he met him at the ramp to fight. But they went in. Uh, Moxley uh, hit uh, the stomp on the outside. The crowd started singing Seth Rollins' song when they did that. Uh you know, you got to give it up for that. Uh, if, if nothing else, you know, you're over when the other company is chanting you for you here. Uh, but they came in, he hit the pile driver, but that wasn't enough. Phoenix ends up coming in. 
hitting a big kick, a knee strike, and then the black fire driver. But the referee totally blew the finish here as Moxley did not kick out and he just stopped anyway. The crowd booed and it was bad. And then Phoenix was just like, well, whatever. I'm just going to hit the same move over again. And then he wins. <laughs> like, it's like, shouldn't Skywalker just hitting fucking hip hop Kakuda with the, <laughs> with the splash again or whatever, dude. Oh, um, that, that was Ben K. He, oh, that was Ben K. Okay, yeah. okay. That's right. Yeah, dude. The, the ending was definitely. First, it was like a what the fuck. And then, you know, I feel like obviously if you're like a, a seasoned fan or whatever, your mind yeah. starts adding it up. It's like. Okay, Mox, like, and I watched it back. So the second Phoenix hits him and then Phoenix starts to cover, Moxley says something to both of them. And I don't know if it was calling or not. I mean, I'll never know what it is, right? Um, But then, you know, he obviously didn't kick out. We could assume that it was perhaps calling an audible or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I, I hope that, you know, much like the Ben K situation, it's like I hope that this additional move. It also makes me think of like Ishii and Kenta, where it's like they continue the match for the sake of like getting the finish they need. But I also think you know nothing is more important than a wrestler's health as well. So assuming that Moxley is injured, the speediest recover to him. Mox is my favorite wrestler. It's my number one guy. Um, AEW on the flip side now. Uh, you know, I also I'll say like we've seen how this already happened once this year, right? In another massive high profile match between Willow and Mercedes. Yeah. Um, I think they lucked out where Willow was able to get the surprise win in that, in the sense of like Phoenix, it had he gotten the pin on that first one, it would have been insane, right? Yeah. But it's kind of like the title win is unfortunately now sort of buried in like that botched kick out right um so that said aew phoenix is we were we were talking about him recently as well right like him and swerve and other people we thought would just be like absolute barn burner champions and um this is a moment for him i really hope that tony does a lot more with phoenix in this position um you know i think there's definitely a way to spin phoenix winning at least into a positive um, I don't feel like New Japan Strong did a lot with Willow as their champion, which sucks. Um, yeah. Outside of like the Forbidden Door match, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, it's just a really unfortunate end to an otherwise I thought pretty great match. I loved the um, the dive off of the ramp to like the outside by over the, the cameraman. Yep, yep, yep. That was such a cool angle. Like you said, the curb stomp spot, both of them, Phoenix sold like death. The one on the yeah. left was incredible. I loved the singing for Rollins. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, Yeah, you know, and I will say the good news is, as they said right away, I thought they did a great job, um, even though I don't know about the match itself, how they handled it. But they did a great job after the commercial break. The first thing they said was Excalibur told everybody that Moxley was able to walk away on his own uh, to assuage any fears of anything too serious. But uh, PW Insider did report that he was checked by the doctors and there is belief that he may have suffered a concussion. Uh, So hopefully 
uh, he can recover and everything's okay. Obviously, that's something that needs to be handled with a lot of care. We don't know what grade it is, what severity it is, but regardless, it definitely was a messed up finish. Like, there's no question about that. And the crowd did boo, like you said. Um, like you said, that kind of puts a black mark on this title win, unfortunately. But the match was really good for what it was. It wasn't especially long, but um, I still thought it was really well done. I loved the intensity that Phoenix brought from the start. Like you said, great selling, great bumping more, more than anything from Phoenix with the great headstand stuff, whether it was on the DDT or on the stomp, the dives were awesome. Uh, Phoenix did a great job in a lot of ways and the finish did look sick on, on its own. You just wish that it, it, it had ended on an, in a normal way with either a clean kick out or just a clean pin instead of having to redo it. But uh, we'll see how it goes. This was the fourth defense for Moxley. I don't know how they're going to pivot from this, but I don't think Phoenix is a bad choice to go for a little while. I don't see him as a main player or anything like that for AEW, but for a guy defending the title every week, you could do a lot worse than having some Lucha showcases. You could put him and Vikingo in there for a match. Uh, you Ooh. know, maybe even his brother. Okay. Yeah. No, and Tony's been doing a massive, like, I guess I should say massive, but he's been doing a very clear push of like Lucha talent and booking more Lucha talent where it feels like he's, you know, has intention behind this. Um, you know, like we said, Phoenix benefits from the fact that this isn't like a, this is a title where you don't have to be promo heavy. Like this is the yeah. title where the ring work speaks for itself. And like you're saying, I mean, this is something where it could totally, um, what was it? Kalisto called it like Lucha fever. Or what did he call it? In that promo, yeah, the yeah, whatever, yeah, this could be Damn like a lucha thing. So, <laughs> but no, I um, I really like that idea. That would be really cool. My dream match is Phoenix versus Hiromu at Wrestle Dream, but we will probably not get it. Oh man, that that would be a phenomenal match. <laughs> like if they could set that up, I would love to see it. But shout out to Tony Khan for shouting out Lucha Blog. On yeah, the Cubs fan shadow booker of AEW right now. We didn't know that. Um, but man, let me tell you something. I've known uh, Cubs fan for a long time. <laughs> that brother, he is like a super wrestling guy. Not just with Lucha Libre. He actually knows a lot about other wrestling. He doesn't talk about it that much. But he's a great source, uh, regardless of what Hugo Savinovich may think and some others, uh, some haters on there. I saw some Heat Cubs fan was getting it. It's like, man, Lucha blog, that is the man. Like That guy knows more about Lucha than almost anybody. Done a great favor, even for Tony Khan himself. Uh, Well-deserved love for Lucha blog on there. Uh, yeah, shout out Lucha blog. I probably would not have gotten into, the, into Lucha the way that I did if it wasn't for him. So shout out. Oh, yeah, he definitely helped me a lot. Um, even if you're a seasoned fan, even in Mexico, like a lot of people have mentioned how good of a job he does like, compared, compared to the native media there, you know, including some, some some websites that weren't even covering Anniversario, which, by the way, if you want to check it out, uh, me and Microman Fever, we actually did a show covering CMLO Anniversario 90. Uh, the 90th anniversary show of CMLL. 
including one of the best matches all year, like a heroic performance from Volador Jr. and a great one from Anjou de Oro as well. Uh, everybody should watch that match if you can. But listen to our review. It's only an hour on Anniversario. Great show. Lots of cool stuff on there. Uh, Lucha doing some big things. Uh, Lucha Blog deserves all of his flowers. So uh, good stuff there from Tony Khan. And uh, we'll see how he pivots from all of this. This uh, very interesting title win. It's something that can only happen in wrestling. You know, something doesn't go according to plan, and you just have to see where it goes from there. Uh, so good stuff. Uh, up next, we had – did they go to the other segment, or was this right to the women's match? Uh, they did say that he was back in. Um, no, Samoa Joe cut a, cut a promo where he just promised to destroy him pretty much. And then they, they had all four teams. They're doing this deal on Rampage where they're setting up the tag title shot for MJF and Adam Cole on WrestleDream. So you had the best friends. You had the Hardys. You had the kingdom. And you had the righteous uh, all cut promos. I guess I mean it would only make sense for it to be the kingdom, right? Uh, to to have the match there, you would think. Yeah, just continue this incredible feud, please. Just uh, uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm not saying it's what I want. <laughs> no, no, I'm no, just no, saying. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's kind of hilarious that FTR feel like the secondary tag <laughs> champs now. Um, yeah, I know. But honestly, though, I mean, like FTR, their whole shit would be like a double clothesline finish. They're so old school. So if anything, yeah. they left money on the table by not doing it first. And that's why you would steal food from Dax. You said you yes, steal his off, dinner and off his table, <laughs> off his table. Yeah. From his refrigerator, <laughs> from his freezer. Yeah, I'm no taking food. all of his kid cuisines. Oh, man, heartbreaking, <laughs> heartbreaking. Uh, and we will update you on that on Crime Update, our new show. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will talk about uh, Nello's attempt to rob people of their kid cuisine. Yeah, great circle back. Wow. <laughs> yes, but uh, listen, shout out to Kid Cuisine, man. They they held me through some dark days as a child. Okay, that penguin was there for me when nobody else was. Uh, at the end of the day. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. I know it's been rumored that the Righteous are getting a push. Uh, would be something different, I guess, with MJF and Cole. I, and that's another thing. To bring us back again, to bring us back around to the earlier talking point about Ring of Honor. Why can't you advertise MJF and Cole on a Ring of Honor show? Just one week. Like, you don't need to do it all the time. <laughs> Hell, they don't even have to wrestle. Just say they're going to appear and, and do something. Like, just make this show feel like it means something. I, I really wish they would do a better job with that. But that's that's just my opinion on that. We did get to the women's title match up next. Tony Storm comes out. New music and a black and white entrance. I thought it was the NWO that she had joined. <laughs> but, but instead, they played this 1950s music for her to come in there. Taz even said 1920s, so it's some old decade. We were none of us were alive when, whenever this music was made, or the inspiration for it was made. Anyway, she comes in. Soraya's back with her uh, falling in reverse theme. They've gotten rid of the outcast themes. It seems like. Which say what you want, getting rid of the outcast theme is a, a big upgrade for both women. <laughs> I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, 
But Soraya's coming in. She's being all like yelling at Tony Storm, like, why are you laughing at me? Why are you smiling? Uh, they fight each other and they do a spot where Ruby's on the outside and her and Tony have a stare down. But then Tony like drops to her back, rolls under the ring, like stop, drops and rolls. Uh, she comes out and then her feet come out. Ruby pulls her out and she has two shoes in her hand. And she attacks Ruby with the shoe and right in front of a guy with a sign that says, watch the shoe uh, there. So I did like that uh, going in there. Chin up, tits out, watch the shoe. Obviously, we're doing that. Uh, they made the the shirt out of it and they're continuing with that. And she had another shoe in her like tucked into the backside of her tights or whatever. But the ref stole the, like the, like caught her with the shoe. Uh, then she pulled the bottom turnbuckle pad off, uh, pulled out the spray paint, uh, and, but that didn't work. It got stolen. Uh, but then Soraya got the spray paint, sprayed her face with it, hit the nightcap, but then she kicked out to a great ovation. That was the first time the crowd really popped uh, in the match was the shoes and then the kick out on the nightcap. They did a deal where Soraya then she had the advantage, but pulled her to the corner with the exposed turnbuckle, and Ruby was on the outside screaming, do it! Do it! And then then Soraya, no, she can't do it. She cannot execute her former friend here. Uh, so that allows Tony to come back, and suddenly she like does this weird thing where she slowly puts Soraya's shoe down, and then grabs her face and just engulfs her with this kiss here straight out of the dino playbook with this to a huge reaction the biggest reaction on this whole show was like leger right now with this kiss here uh they loved it so much she immediately hit the storm zero but that was also a kick out and in the end there was stuff going on but then soraya put her on the middle rope it was kind of messed up to be honest how she set up but she hits the nightcap from the turnbuckle uh, with a really bad – like the way they set it up was Tony was going to hit her with a hip attack in the exposed turnbuckle. And Soraya like moved out of the way while she was halfway across the ring. Yes. Uh, so it was, it was all messed up, this finishing sequence. And this match, as I said, last week we spoke that more than anything, more than a storyline, more than even the title reign, for the division, they need to have a great match. This was not a great match by any stretch of the imagination. I thought this was not good at all, to be honest. Uh, but you got to pop off the lesbian kiss, at least. I thought that was the finish. I'm not going to lie. They did get me with that Storm Zero. Me too. Me too. <laughs> um, I liked the concept behind the finish of the exposed, exposed turnbuckle. Like Tony's hip attack in the corner, everyone knows, just always looks like total death. Yeah, and this was the one time where it looked so just um, – I mean, obviously, she hit it herself, but it didn't even look like that. Um, totally agree. Like, there was too much – like, okay, when Ruby um, and Soraya did the spray paint, right? Super well-timed, very well-coordinated. Um, this one, it was just the timing was off, you know? And any time with one of these, like – interference or sort of just gimmicky finishes like that right it's like unless it's smooth it just kind of digests very harshly because <laughs> it, it again it's like 
great matches with bad endings are, you know, just remembered kind of for that sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought Tony's character work here was great. I liked the new entrance a lot. Um, this was definitely where this show started to go downhill for me. Um, not so much in terms of like in ring or anything like, you know, I had very low expectations for this match coming in. And again, I don't think it was anywhere near that. Like, I, I would say like this was like a fine, like two and three quarters or something like that, you know, like right under a three. Um, but it was like, you know, ROH New Japan strong match. The end angle is Eddie is the new world champion. Jericho and Sammy, you have Sammy joining Callis. Phoenix and Moxley, whether it was planned or not, you have Phoenix as the new AEW international champion. So Ryan, MJF, I think not saying everything needed to have an angle, but this match and the world title match both desperately felt like they needed something after the champion walked out like finished the match pretty much right and it felt like in both matches they were really teasing like something was going to happen afterwards like i mean we'll get to it but that run on they had three minutes of mjf just in the ring like healing and then showing off his title and i was like same thing i was like who's coming out who's coming out i'm in voice chat and they're like, I don't know if anyone's going to come out. I was like, is Tony really paying fucking money to have a three-minute overrun of Max just getting showered by applause? I'm like, I mean, <laughs> cool. He's the hometown boy. But, like, damn, I, I really thought that they were going, like, more so than a, like Jericho and Guevara, Phoenix and Moxley. I expected for there to be, like, you know, huge angles with massive implications in both these matches because Soraya leaves this match now with absolutely no feud, no clear trajectory. Yeah, no and, change, like no no positive momentum for anybody, no like progress really with yeah. their characters. Nothing was gained in this match. No, and then, you know, fuck, I'm going to check the head. I'm sorry, Dylan, but it's MJF okay. left the world title match and his storyline is I have to prepare for my ROH tag titles. There's no momentum for momentum for the world title. Like, again, I thought for sure I was like, man, maybe Cole will change because so going back to the Roddy phone call, right? I had the same thought with the exact same. Yes. I thought like to do something, whatever. But um, yeah, let's you want to chat about Joe and MTF? Yeah. Like I said, one thing I would say, I just wanted to say I do agree with you on the Tony Storm entrance. I think Mm. it's a great fit for her character. The Wizards Division. I mean, it's had its problems for so long now, like our expectations are very low, I would say. And they weren't really raised for this match at all or where they go. Hopefully they have something in mind. I think it's clear anyway that ultimately, as great as Tony Storm has been as a character, which I do agree, I don't think it really worked that great in this match because I thought it was just too gimmicky for me. This would be more like a two-star match, in my opinion, but... The character work is great, phenomenal stuff, but ultimately, I think for Tony Khan, when you saw it at All In, this whole title reign is to build towards Mercedes and Soraya, and I think that's what we're going to get with a lot of filler feuds until they bring in Mercedes, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I have to imagine she's not ready for Wrestle Dream, but I totally thought this was going to be Mercedes' debut um, oh, you had everybody debut on the show. Edge, Mercedes. <laughs> like you wanted the whole crew. 
Yeah, my fucking checkbook runs Hiromu? really deep if I was deeper <laughs> than Tony's. Yeah, yeah the Hiromu debut. Obviously, um, Callus is like, well, look, I'm going to step aside. I'm going to have someone else leave this group. Then you have <laughs> Fujita Jr. Hayato, of course, come in to be the new leader of the Don Callis family. So, yeah, it's, it's like a variety of debuts. And I enjoy that. <laughs> so before we get into the main event, though, what did you think of the video they showed for MJF? Oh, I liked it, except for what the kids said at the end. I was really are you familiar with that like old Rey Mysterio like um internet story? Uh what w- which one? There's like an old Reddit post guy that was vague, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, that he called somebody a bitch. Or whatever. Yeah, and it's like yeah. when I was eight, Ray Mysterio gave me his mask at his show, and when he leaned in, he said, "You're a little bitch, and you're always gonna be a little bitch, and no one but will ever believe you that I said this," and then walked away. And I wanted MJF to say the same thing in this. That was, I mean, that was that my been awesome. sickle hope. But um, I mean, the whole adopted thing it made sense. But I thought it was, um, I thought it was funny. And again, like I just. Here's the thing, like with this whole title storyline and everything, they are fully committed to the bit. Like they're not half-assing it. Like they've really found their footing in terms of like there is consistency now, right? And like they fully embrace the Roddy caricature, the sort of just really like comedic melodrama, um, you know, just the exaggeration of it all, right? But again, like, I feel like they haven't found that necessary grounding to actually make it feel like it matters or have weight as well. Because as we've seen, right, look at something like uh, Sami Zayn and the bloodline, right? Like, you could say something like that is absolutely akin to something like a, a Cole and MJF in terms of it being fairly slapstick with a lot of backstage skits and stuff like that. But they had, like, the foundation for something to eventually happen, right? But now that we just have MJF and Cole together, and it's like people don't necessarily want them to break up. And now we've hit a point where it feels like even if Cole turned on MJF, like, I don't really care as much anymore, right? So they they need to add a spark to it because like i said i'm not going to fully condemn it like i feel like it all in is when it jumped the ship but since then they fully committed to that style is that style for me no but i think that there's a way to tell any story that can be appealing to you know all audiences and i think they just need to find that spark again that they first had with this story which is why they got here and again like i'm probably in the minority on that just because their their friendship about to say feud still seems to be getting massive reactions um at least yeah. in, in arena so yeah i do i basically agree with with everything you said there i think that for the AEW fans they've really taken a liking to this feud and they have for a long time but the fact of the matter is that all in main event was far from universally praised. I think that's a great point. Um, I absolutely loathe that match, so I, maybe I am in the minority. Uh, I, I think this whole feud sucks, if we're being totally honest. The thing is, it also sucks because there's actually parts of it that are really good. 
but then it's sandwiched in between a bunch of like goofy vignettes and stuff that I personally don't care for. But like you said, it's working. It's working for their fans. So I don't begrudge them for going this route and how they've done it. I think they could have done it a lot better. And you made a great point earlier, too. You've built up a world title match on a big show, like one of your biggest TV shows of the year, probably the biggest when you look at the, you know, the dynamites. But all of that, all that did to accomplish or all that accomplished was to set up a Ring of Honor tag title match. It doesn't make any sense how they're doing it. Um, the the match itself was very slow paced. I thought, uh, you know, and you knew they weren't gonna like break the bank, and I think they had a little bit of what the opener had, but it was also missing what the, like the opener had as well in terms of just execution here. Uh, I think that there was just a lot of shtick and everything going on there. They did a pretty decent job with the neck angle with MJF. I thought he sold it really well. They really went all out with this. You had him hit the DVD on the apron. Sick bump from MJF. I thought he did a great job. Uh, he had him tear up the mats, hit the pile driver, a very safe pile driver. But regardless, a pile driver on the floor nonetheless. They mentioned that it's not concrete. It's actually very hard plastic that covers the outfield uh, or the grass of the stadium or whatever. So they did that. The fans were totally behind MJF uh, for the most part here. He came out again with the Mets stuff. He had all the team's logos on his jacket. Uh, The crowd loved him as the hometown hero. And we all knew as soon as it came out about he wasn't going to be there or the phone call drove Adam Cole away. You knew the finish of this match was going to be Adam Cole running out like to save the day at the end, which it did. Uh, The crowd fired up for it. He had him in the joke in the chokehold, but then uh, MJF turned around, hit the low blow. Joe low blowed him back, uh, then hit the muscle buster, but it was only a near fall, which was really well done because of the way they built up the muscle buster as this death move with Roderick Strong. I thought that was a good way to utilize the story they've been telling before the match. The ending came where Adam Cole rushed up on the apron, distracted Joe. Uh, and then MGF ended up uh, throwing the referee dove out of the ring. I didn't really like that. This part was all stupid in my opinion, but the referee drove uh, dove out of the ring. MGF grabbed the chain on the turnbuckle and choked Joe out, uh, literally choked him out with the chain. And then the referee stopped the match and you see him try to hold the chain in his armpits. And then the referee raises his arm and the chain falls out and the referee looks so stupid. <laughs> like I, I thought that was so dumb uh, how they did it. And MGF panics. I mean, totally cartoon and like not even a good cartoon. This is like a 1950s level cartoon where he panics. He has this over the top shocked look on his face. He hugs the referee and drags him to the corner. So Cole rushes in to grab the chain. Like, I like the idea of this, like this kind of, scheming heel team but secretly beloved like I, I like the idea of this whole deal the execution was so dumb it was right in front of the referee <laughs> how did he miss this and that's i think like one of the issues for me is they don't feel like a heel tag team so much as like mjf knows he's a chicken shit and he's always yeah. happy to do these things right that works but it feels like Cole isn't so much like, oh, I'm a heel too, so much as he is just his lackey, dude. 
Like Adam Cole, he went from he feeling totally like, felt like a, that in this match. Yeah, like he. I feel like the whole point was to like illustrate he's a good friend, right? He's showing up for Roddy. He's showing up for Max. But I'm like, man, when the fuck are you gonna show up for yourself? Like, <laughs> dude, I have wow, no clue. Hard words like, right there. Yeah, for for on screen Adam Cole, brother. Let's let's refocus the mind. We need to get you back in the game. Um, but yeah, like this match had some good spots. I thought the pile driver on the outside was really cool. I thought it was a little again like AEW tends to do this often. And maybe it's just wrestling in general, but like after the Moxley situation, right? Where it's like, oh, a pile driver, and then the doctor has to check on him, and everyone's like really fucking afraid. And then it's like two matches later, it's like, hey, there's a pile driver, and the doctors check it on him. And it just, I think that hits so much less. And it kind of, for me at least, like had the Moxley situation not happened, that probably would have been a wow moment. But because we already had a moment earlier in the night that was very real, right? I thought that that just made this look bad, um, like ineffective, very artificial, and just kind of in poor taste of like, hey, this guy just got really fucking hurt, right? And again, like I feel like there's so many other ways to do something like that. And you could have even just done Joe do the power driver. I just don't think you needed the doctor spot, right? Because the doctor spa is always the most like reality blurring. Oh my God, are yeah, they hurt? Aren't up, but they I just hurt? I want to say one thing because I had a very similar yeah. thought to you, and I'll, I'll let you continue your point. I just want to say this: <laughs> like, this sucks because we know what it looks like when it is real. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, they've done it where it's we've seen, like you said, we've seen it on the show. We've seen it dozens of times before where it is real, and the doctors do have to come in and stop a match, and it's not. In a real situation, somebody's not throwing a guy into the ring and, you know, hitting him with the muscle buster. Like, you know, that's not how it works. We know that. It's not like, oh, we have to speculate and, oh, wrestling has different rules. They don't have different rules. We've seen it on the show. So you can't just suddenly retcon what we've already seen with our own eyes and pretend it didn't happen that way so you could do this fake angle, like you said. Yeah, no, 100 percent. I don't really have much else to say. I think you nailed it. (laughs) It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, just the whole match, it's just tropes of wrestling from a bygone era. And I'm sure they're having a lot of fun with this over-the-top heel shtick and all of that, and it has resonated with the audience in some ways. And, hey, give MJF some credit. I kind of wasn't on board with him last week. I wasn't a big fan of what he's been doing lately. But when they did all of the media tour with him in New York, it proved to work. Like it said, they had thousands of people shoot up, like buy tickets after that appearance he had at the Mets game uh, on the CBS New York morning show. Everything about it led to a big rise in attendance. The fans really popped behind the hometown hero, chanted, he's our scumbag, you know, early on in the match. They did all of that. And then, like you said, uh, you know, the ending of the show, it lasted three minutes, but before that, I wanted to touch on this. Samoa Joe, after being cheated multiple times in this match, and after formerly being perceived as an unstoppable monster with no regards for anybody, he offers his hand to MJF to shake here, and they shake hands. 
I really think that the stuff earlier was a big setup for this ultimately, and it makes me feel worse about the the earlier stuff with Kingston and Claudio. Not for me, because I still like it the same, but it makes me think that they cared less about that one to do this again on the same show. And even the one right after that where, okay, you had the opening match. The handshake happened, mutual respect, it was great. Okay. The second match, mutual respect, but then he turns on him, it's a swerve. And then the third one, what will it be? Will it be a handshake or will will there be a swerve? Will somebody attack him? But no, it was the handshake. And as I said in the opening match, the handshake between Claudio and Kingston was perfect for their storyline. It makes perfect sense with all the years they've had, all of the matches they've had, the nature of the match they had. It makes perfect sense. But the main event it doesn't fit at all. Like this, this is totally out of character for Joe and double out of character for what had happened. Literally two seconds before we offered the handshake, he shoved Adam Cole and MJF got in his face. And I get what they're probably going to go for that. Oh, he put him over. He earned respect by standing up for his friends. It's that's what this feud is all about. And so much of the TV that they've, done lately has been about the power of friendship which is a tried and true angle not just in wrestling but in all forms of entertainment i get it but it wasn't earned and i didn't like it at all i thought it was really stupid to do this especially on the same show as the kingston and claudia one uh, i didn't like that part at all i thought it didn't make any sense logically uh, with what we know of their characters i got two words for your brother tonal inconsistency um totally agreed i thought hand it's like being ar i thought that that was going to be the catalyst like cole was going to appear like visibly upset or shaken like dude i just came out here to help you my best friend beat this guy who literally took me out on the ring and said he's going to take away everything you love and now you're just going to shake his hand like while i'm standing next to you like i think that's totally a valid way for him to heel turn and especially when the core of this entire thing is, and maybe they're trying to lay a seed with that, but it wasn't felt right. No, it's uh, similar to the AR Fox and Ed Darby thing from a few weeks ago. And that was a lot worse to be fair, because of the, the length <laughs> of the ankles they had. But this is another similar thing where it's like you said, totally inconsistent with the, these characters. And what you said would make so much sense. If that led to Cole being like, what the, like, Hey, he just choked me out, man. Like, and I came here to, to, you know, save your ass. I helped you, and now you're shaking hands with the guy. What? Yeah. Like imagine that. while, yeah, while MJF and Joe are shaking hands, you could literally have Cole shove MJF, and that's like, whoa. And Joe does this shitty little smile, and is like, oh, and starts walking away. Oh, um, that would have been yeah. so much better. Like that would totally fit with Joe's character. Like if he did it to manipulate. Like yeah. you know, like screw up the situation and just be a dick for no reason because <laughs> it's not like it benefits him either any any but it fits his character of being a, a shit disturber pretty much. I would have loved if they'd done it like you said, or even if they had done what you said with him smirking, and maybe Cole doesn't even need to push him. <laughs> but let's say there's a camera shot where Cole he shakes hands and Cole looks pissed in the background and he shakes his head like what or, you know he questions MJF. And then MJF turns around and he's like, what? And MJF's like, what's up, man? And then Cole's like, ah, nothing, nothing. Like, you won the title. You could have accomplished so much more from a storytelling perspective from what – it's like something like that had happened rather than just – he shook hands. 
they respect Joe Law, so now he accepts his defeat, his cheating defeat, like totally unearned win by our champion. He accepts it gracefully, and then the two friends pose for five minutes. <laughs> like you said, I was totally thinking the same thing as you. What's going to happen? Like, this keeps going on and on. Like, what? do you really need to see him get his ass kissed for more <laughs> five more minutes? I thought it was going to be some kind of opponent for WrestleDream. I was like, I was trying to rack my brain. I was like, I don't think it's going to be like a debut, right? Because I feel yeah. like they're going to debut. If should Edge come AEW, I imagine <laughs> it's going to have to be involved with Christian or something. That's my assumption. But I was like, man, who the fuck is it going to be? I was like, Naito. I don't know who it could be. And then it just kept going on. And then it just ended. And I just felt so deflated. And I was like, man, like, that's the thing with like, and again, like, I think we look at All In, All Out, and this, right? The, The show that we both enjoyed the most was All Out. And the show that we both left feeling pretty deflated after was all in in this and you know the consistency there is mjf in the main events whereas mjf was in the opening and that stuff was out of the way at first because i genuinely don't think that any of these angles or anything have the dramatic or you know like the exciting implications of something like an eddie win of something like a mox versus oc right like just so many other things that I feel like on these shows just clearly outshine what slotted is the main position. Like on SmackDown, you know, at least they don't book other storylines besides the bloodline, right? Like that's, yeah. that's the fucking, it's impossible for them to get outshined. Um, but yeah, I just, um, again, like MJF, like, I mean, he's someone I don't think I've ever felt so conflicted about a wrestler, right? He has good matches. Like, I loved MJF versus Danielson. I loved MJF and Punk, Dog Collar. Um, What else? MJF and shit, Jack Perry, Darby, all those matches, right? But, like, I feel like there's – I just have such apathy for 99% of the time. And that 1%, I go, yeah, he's good. And then, but other than that, like, I can acknowledge that he's good, but I just do not get anything from any of this anymore. And, like, it was funny because, again, like, the Cole and MGF thing kind of felt like a breath of fresh air at first. The 30-minute time limit draw, great. Another really, really fucking great match, I thought. Yeah, true. Um, And now look where we are. And I'm like, man, like, not only does Cole not feel like a main eventer, it feel like feels like there's just no one actively seeking the world title right now, too. Like, no one fucking talks about it on TV. No one's like, I want to be world champion. Like, everyone is just doing their own other thing because MJF and Adam Cole are hanging out. And it's just... <sighs> That's what my yeah. Nona does. Whenever she doesn't like something, she goes... Bleh. And so that's what I'm going to say. This is just straight up bull. Straight up bull. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, have, I haven't I have had any love for this angle from the beginning. <laughs> so that, that made no secret of that, to be honest. OG hater over here. Let's go. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> like I said, there's levels to this, Nello. Yeah. When you hate the day one, you know you're on you're walking the Fox road like Tom road in stardom Fox road is King petty right now. You got to do a new wrestle update theme 
where it's you doing your own Jim uh, Uso day one. You're just talking to yourself. <laughs> you're like day one. You're like, I hated this shit since the beginning. 30 minute draw was cool, but I fucking hated the story. Uh-huh. It's me now. <laughs> it's yeah. on me now. Yeah, on me now. <laughs> day one is you know, right now. That's definitely going to be a future uh, wrestle update theme song. Maybe. That like I'm gonna remember this on April Fool's Day, and then we're gonna have the day one ish Russell Update remix uh, for sure on there. But yeah, like I said, I don't want to try to lie to people and say that oh I liked it and now I don't. Like no, I always hated it. Ever since they did the the video games, ever since they did the Chinese food, ever since he said it was too spicy, I lost all respect for this man. Spicy food is the best kind of food, and once I saw that, I knew it was all over. Um, but now what? Like, let's talk about that. Where are they going to go from here? Because, like you said, they teased it, it went long, nothing happened. So now what? Who is the next challenger for this title? And I mean, Joe didn't come completely out of nowhere. They did build him up a little bit, but you know. No, I mean, not really. He lost to Punk on the, the show. And then Dude, they. That's, but Joe didn't feel like the way he felt. Like, I swear, Joe losing just clean normally would do more for him than shaking Max's hand I, at the I end. I totally agree. Like, it made him feel less. But up until then, it didn't matter because I was like, he still looked like a beast, dude. Yeah. Like, it and was that's crazy. In the go home angle, when he choked out Cole. That crowd was going insane for him. I think if this had been in a different city, I wouldn't have been surprised if the crowd turned and supported Joe based on what we saw on Wednesday. And why not? Like you said, he's a beast. He's badass. He like He's always a step ahead of everybody. Does the cool stuff walking away on, from people. Like there's nothing to not like about him. He's violent and stuff and all that, but he's a badass. So we all accept mm-hmm. that. And like you said, him shaking the hand, I thought, was very much sabotaging that character that he's done such a great job. And the reality is he's going to cut a great promo, you know, probably next week. And we'll all, you know, he'll be fine at the end of it just because he's to me, he's one of the best mic workers in the whole company, uh, even more so than Cole or MJF. I think Joe consistency wise is right up there with the Eddie Kingston level guy. I love everything he's doing. I think he's a great promo. The match, I said, I wasn't really in love with it, but I definitely think what you said, if he had just lost clean, that would have been, meant more for his character and MJF as well. I think would have meant more as well because we still haven't seen him get a really – he's yet to defend this title in clean fashion, not even a single time. So I would like to see them try to do something more with that, even though it doesn't fit his character. <laughs> he's basically worked uh, – I'm a cheating scumbag, but also I'm your scumbag. I mean, that's yeah. moniker now. So they've worked that into it. So I guess that's impossible now. But Joe will be fine. But I still don't like it. And who is the next challenger? Because like I said, it feels like they need to do a little bit more to put over somebody or at least get somebody that feels a little hot. And I don't know who that is. Yeah. I mean, so looking forward, right? Next big show, Wrestle Dream, like a week and a half. So the three big singles matches on that, Takeshita, Ibushi, Danielson Saber, which I imagine that's going to be the main event. Yeah. And then Hangman Swerve. My my brain says whoever wins that, and I hope it's Swerve. I think Swerve needs that. Yes. Yes. Um, Right. And especially with MJF now as like you know that 
big time tweener. Uh, Swerve, I think, is someone that can really play more into you know MJF's newfound babyface style, and maybe he'll like maybe he'll give us something to cover on Crime Update if he does anything to Adam Cole. So that would be really cool. So maybe he'll get rid of Adam Cole. We'll just get like a normal world title feud. Um, but yeah, I'm like, okay, MJF and Adam Cole defending the ROH tag titles on these pay-per-views. I'm so fucking sick of it. Yeah, it's just a way to get them on the show because again, like, and like, you want to talk about, you know, double standards in AEW, right? Remember when Tony did that hard thing after the, um, there was whatever that ROH pay-per-view and they were building towards it all the fucking time on TV. And then they did the first forbidden door right after. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. right after that, they put like the hard stop on like all the ROH stuff. Like even Claudio wasn't really doing feuds or whatever. And it feels like they've really kind of broken that dam again, or like the division's not so hard anymore. Um, but what sucks is like you have Joe, who's the TV title. You have Claudio, who's the ring of world, honor world champion. Now, Eddie, and you have MJF and all these guys defending their stuff on pay-per-views. And Athena can't even be on dynamite with her title, you know, and it's just like so ridiculous. And again, just a very unfortunate, like illustration of the value of the women roster in AEW. Um, but uh, th- this is all to say, like, I don't care, like, if you already have those three big singles matches. Like, this is your world champ wrestle dream on a pay-per-view. Like, fuck, at least, like, <laughs> Sonata got to fight Jack Perry. You're telling me that MJF can't fight Yoshihashi? That would be better than all of yeah. the other MJF matches already. So, like, shit, dude. I love Yoshihashi, babyface. Yoshiashi, the only one who could get a classic match out of MJF, besides Brian Danielson. Fucking imagine MJF gets a stinger in that and they have to call an audible and Yoshiashi's <laughs> the new world champ. <laughs> He's just standing there looking mad confused like he always does. Just like, am I in the right place? <laughs> I would love that. I'm a huge Yoshiashi yeah. fan, so I'm all for all of that. But Oh, my God. Unfortunately, yeah. it's a reality we don't live in. <laughs> nope. But that's all to say Swerve. Swerve is yeah. – that is where my brain goes unless, again, like it could be Roddy. It's like – because that's the thing is that they're so involved in this ROH thing that like I don't – as long they as they give him some credibility though like before they get – they need to give him a big win over somebody. I mean, he got to the finals of the Eliminator tournament, but again, it's like there's nothing lasting. I feel like yeah. because any new, like, dude, Adam Cole could walk out with a samurai sword and stab someone in the middle of the ring, right? And then he's going to walk backstage and they're going to do a skit and he's going to seem like a geek again immediately. Yeah. It's like with Absolutely. every skit, anything cool they've done, anything badass they've done in the ring is just like immediately sort of just erased. And that's <laughs> why I like, hate it so much, because yeah. all the promos in the ring are actually good. <laughs> like, they've done a great job building drama in the ring. They had the great singles match, but then you do, the, then it's like it's all gone away because of the dumbass skits they keep doing. <laughs> and Not I, totally. At, at first, it was very much that division between the two as well, right? Like, yeah. the promo before All In, where it was MJF and uh, Cole, you know, he's like, because I'm going to beat you because I'm better than you, and you know it. And Cole's like, I'm going to beat you because I'm, and they do the dueling chants. Really great stuff. 
And then they also have, you know, the Chinese restaurant. They have Outback Steakhouse and all these things. Oh, that and, was equally as embarrassing, the, the Outback yeah, one, yeah. And it feels like since like, – it, it, rather than blending them or even having a mix or a balance, they've just kind of completely abandoned the in-ring drama for the backstage comedy. Um, like, you, you, you can't – I don't know – there's just there's nothing about this storyline that feels genuine anymore. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's because it's just been exaggerated so much that like, dude, you can't tell me that Adam Cole is this fucking stupid. Like, seriously, <laughs> like it just makes him like again, like he's a good friend, but he looks like an idiot. Like I just constantly. Just like last week, he he was the one that took the fall and got attacked because he and they showed him Roderick made a fool out of him with faking the injury. Everyone knew he was fine. And then he dropped to his back, yelled about his neck. And Cole, of course, looked looked like a goofball. And Joe choked him out to thunderous applause (laughs) like that shows you what a geek he is. And I just he's just getting manipulated and gaslit by like everyone. Left and right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Britt hasn't stepped in and be like, hey, dude, stand up for yourself. Like, just that's, a, that's another factor that's been missing from all this, because if you remember the first week when they were in the bar, MGF brought all these girls to him mm-hmm. and that pissed Britt off a lot. And we saw the thing backstage where he was on the phone. It's like, wait, no, I didn't do anything. I promise. And all of that. Now Britt's not in it because she's not worried. She's like, nah, dude, he's a fucking geek. Like, Nobody he, wants to be he, him. He's literally at home all the time. Forget about Roddy's neck. He couldn't be more dumb. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stressed about him. I don't think he's cheating on me. I think he's just being manipulated by Roddy. Yeah, no woman like, would want to be with that geek. <laughs> I don't even know why I am. I am. You know what my favorite part of this entire storyline is? I will shout this out. Okay. Matt Taven. I think is perfect in this. He has the best facials. Anytime he is on the screen, whatever his face is doing yeah. is so perfect. Um, like Mike Bennett, I genuinely, he could, it, you could switch him out with Alan angels and then Matt cross each week. I'd have no fucking clue, but I would know if you took Matt Taven out. So I'm a big Matt Taven guy right now. Like literally gun to my head. If you were like, pick one guy from this title feud right now that you would be happy watching like Matt Taven, I guess. So, yeah. I wish Matt Cross would be on TV. (laughs) Um, But how about this? How about this? Here's a little bit of fantasy booking for you. All right. They do something where. Cole, now that like they defend the titles at Wrestle Dream, once again, the Ring of Honor titles, and they talk about how they are the only ones on the level that they're at. And Cole then asks for a rematch for the title. And they say, that's the only thing missing. I'm the only one that could be a good challenge from you, whatever. And MJF hesitates. He doesn't give a real answer. But then Roddy comes out. And he is pissed at this in the neck brace, probably <laughs> for all the comedy. But he said, you know, he says something to the effect of uh, Cole, like you're being brainwashed. Uh, this is BS. Let me get a shot at MJF. I haven't fought him yet. I'm the one who hasn't gotten my chance at him yet. And they do it in a way where basically it turns out that it's Roderick versus Cole for the number one contendership. And Roderick. They could do something where either it's a draw and they could do a triple threat match with all three parties involved. And you can play off of that for weeks where maybe 
Roderick tries to manipulate the situation and try to basically convince Cole that MJF will sell him out for the title. But MJF is also trying to manipulate Cole as well. So they're both manipulating Cole in the match itself rather than just in backstage skits. Uh, pretty pretty much is where I'm going with that. And you can build to the triple threat, and you can go from there to however you want to do it. That sounds like your least favorite match of all time is just Adam Cole being actively manipulated by, like, two people acting in the ring. <laughs> just Roger all doing so- the chair flops. Like, oh, my uh, God. And you can even do something where Adam Cole might try – let's say he tries to go for an early pin on MJF. Suddenly that adds a new – like that adds more controversy to their storyline. For me, yes. For me, for me, I don't <laughs> want this at all. But I would like to at least have some semblance of logic in this storyline at least rather than doing what they do. And by the end of it, you could make Cole look smart and good at the end perhaps, or at least – you probably can't in one match at this point. But you can at least get them on the right track at least to where – it shows that he can't be manipulated by either of them or both at the same time uh, at the end of the day. Uh, and you could even see maybe they could even fl- switch the title, have Cole Penn Roderick. And that suddenly sends MJF or, or, you know, that opens up a ton of interesting storyline options for him. Is it is the friendship really more important than the title to him? We see the, that get tested and that kind of gives them a little extra oomph to stretch things out a little bit more because we're heading into a year of this title reign already. Like, you know, it, it doesn't need to last forever. I know they want to do the tw- the bidding war, whatever bullcrap. Nobody cares about that, <laughs> to be honest, for the War of 24 or whatever. But I think you could do a lot of interesting things with these two if they could get things to a more sensible, grounded, and logical sense rather than the goofy crap and the tropes. Like, that's another big issue I have with this. All of this stuff is stuff we've seen before numerous times in wrestling. There's no creativity, no originality, and no logic. It's just like totally lazy crap that has gotten over, and I'll give them that, and maybe it's a testament to their personalities. I'll give them that much credit, but for me, I don't like the storyline, but I wish that they would at least grab some logic into it, and maybe with Swerve, to your point, that's much more up my alley. Let's say Swerve, you know, the week before the show, kidnaps Adam Cole. And they beat, they beat the hell – like all five of the the affiliates just injure Adam Cole, brutally beat him, take him out for real. And like they assure him that there's no way he will be there because he's injured. Okay, now that adds a new wrinkle to MJF's title reign just on his own. Can he win without his best friend beside him? Can he win without cheating? Uh that would set up a new angle for Swerve, and Swerve is the type of guy for a menacing, sadistic, insane heel – that kind of angle would work for him. They don't even have to kidnap him. Just injure him backstage, you know, from a bloody beat down, hit him with a wrench or whatever, and just, you know, send him to the hospital and make sure that he doesn't come. I think that storyline could work too and at least add some a different wrinkle to this as well. Yeah, anything to, like you said, add some real grounding to it to put yeah. some, I don't know, intensity some purpose back into it because right now it's just floating along um yeah and again it's crazy that we're at a year in this title reign and it's very similar to roman reigns in terms of there's been a few positive blips right like you got danielson and mjf which is like your sammy and roman but i'm like fuck dude outside of that it's just been long and it's been 
boring. And I think like they were trying to do that whole reign of terror thing at first. Yeah, that sucked. They pivoted away from it, which they needed to because that wasn't working. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I'm just going to be boring and I'm never going to wrestle and I'm champion. It's like, awesome, man. You guys are going to sell a lot of fucking tickets. And then the uh, stuff, which is a, a, like, that was a flop. That was said, dude, they, yeah, shot themselves on the foot. And, and that that's was, half the year we're talking about, like, those two feuds that we're talking about. That's literally the first half of this year. That both sucked. Yep. So, Outside of one great match with Brian Danielson, which was great, to be fair. But yeah, not a fan of the storyline. The show itself, uh, I thought the open, like the first three matches were all great to good. Nothing that will be a match of the year level match for me, like the Brian Danielson and Starks match. And I can't wait for the collision match, uh, the death match that they're going to have. I think that's going to be freaking awesome. Uh, if it's, I mean, they have a, they have such a strong standard to live up to after their first match. But if anybody could do it, it's Brian. Uh, there's nothing like that on this show, but the emotional ending for Kingston and Claudio, I hope that it's not what I fear it is, that they actually don't care that much about that, and that's why they easily repeated the angle in the main event. <laughs> it reminds me of a while ago, on one of the conference calls they had after the shows, they did a deal where, and you remember last year, he was so secretive about the MGF contract. <laughs> he wouldn't answer any questions on it, Tony Khan that is, he wouldn't answer any questions on it. He wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't give clues. He wouldn't say anything. But then there was a question about Eddie Kingston. When he had remember the storyline where he left AEW and hated that. He hated AEW as a company and went to Ring of Honor. They retconned that totally, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, they got a question on one of the calls where, hey, is that real? Like, is that a legit storyline? And he absolutely said, no, no, I have him under contract. He's just in Ring of Honor. That tells me that he didn't care that enough about Kingston's storyline to lie for it the way that he cared about MJF to try to make it seem more real and more special. And I hope that's not what this is a sign of, this handshake deal in the main event. Yeah, but, no, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, the first three matches were all good. I liked the Phoenix and Moxley match. Finished aside, got blown. I had black mark, but still a good match. Uh, Sammy and Jericho was okay. I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Uh, when, and then the last two matches were definitely not what I want as a fan. And maybe it'll work for him at the end of at the end of the day. Like you said, it's still over in the buildings, no doubt about that. But overall, up and down show. I definitely enjoyed the first part more. Yeah, this um, in the grand scheme, obviously you had grand. You had the big title matches, but the way that I felt after the show. I can't say it was any different than your regular, like, weekly Dynamite. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with that, absolutely. Oh, one one more thing to say about that main event angle. How, how, you answer me this, Nello, how did MJF know that kid was adopted? How did he uh, Is he his dad? Yeah, yeah, is that that's the only way. He kind of looked like him a little bit actually with the the hair was a little blonde there. <laughs> like same color. Was that what he's trying to tell him? Because otherwise, how would he have the DNA results of that boy's test? His dad was right there. There's no way he told him. So how did he know about this gap in logic right there for AEW? <laughs> One more thing before we get on out of here. I uh, wanted to bring a brief talk about WWE There was a new article written in the L.A. Times 
about Vince McMahon. And I I talked about this a little bit on the Wrestle Update Twitter page at Wrestle Update. Get on out of here. I uh, wanted to bring a brief talk about WWE. There was a new article written in the LA Times about Vince McMahon. And I I talked about this a little bit on the Wrestle Update Twitter page at Wrestle Update 23. You got to check it out. Lots of fun stuff there. Um, I toasted about it a little bit there. And basically, they interviewed everybody. They had a guy from the SEC, the Attorney General of Connecticut. They had a, a former WWE board member. This guy, Ignis, uh, was was here. They interviewed everybody. And a big conclusion was that Vince is – he's still under investigation, McMahon here. Uh, he's been in a lot of trouble. Everybody knows that. And it's not a guarantee he can stick around if he – if they find out the wrong thing on this investigation, he could easily be removed, like barred legally from being the chairman of a publicly traded company. It's not like he could just go private again. He sold the company. So I thought that was an interesting note on the exact same day. This is something maybe you guys haven't heard about. WWE filed a lawsuit against their trading card company today, uh, Panini. Uh, and then Panini sued them back. <laughs> so on this day, all of this talk about Vincent Mann's legal issues in the <laughs> L.A. Times. They're named Panini? <laughs> yes. And, uh, like the food. Yes, yeah, I like to say. think it's – Panini sounds like a WCW 90s jobber. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> and a, a sandwich, right? Sure, yeah. Surely. Yeah, you know, so – from Italia. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, but they both sued each other on the same day. They made trading cards uh, for them. And basically, WWE sued him to stop selling their cards, pretty much. And then Panini was basically like, all they did was love us. Like, why, why do we have to pay them when all they've done is say good things to us? And now after this merger, they all of a sudden want to fire us? Screw that. Like, that's not good faith. And WWE is demanding that they pay over $5.6 million in royalties. And basically, Panini is arguing against that, obviously. Uh, they did not breach the contract. WWE is nonsense. And they're suing again, uh, pretty much. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting today that you have this big LA Times article, which was very well researched and well done. I thought it was interesting that the board guy went – actually, he put his name to it, Ignis. He put his name on the record. Uh, That's something I, know, I saw Brandon Thurston uh, talk about from WrestleNomics where he actually went on the record and talked about how McMahon thought him getting investigated was a sign of disloyalty even though they <laughs> – that's the law. They had to do it. <laughs> you know, At the end of the day, there was no option to not do it. But regardless, he forced his way in, as we all know. Oh, we don't need to recap the whole story. But the LA Times article came to a very similar conclusion to what I said uh, last week on the Twitter thread that I did, which is very long. Uh, but basically, we have to remember that he is still under investigation for all of this. And what happens with this lawsuit with Panini? I don't know. Maybe they get some Paninis out of it <laughs> at the end of the day. But otherwise, on the hunt for the trading cards, I wonder who buys those these days. Like even still, 
were wrestling trading cards ever a big deal? I wonder throughout history. That's not something I really think of. Maybe the game they have because they have the mobile game super card. But I don't know. Which is very interesting, I thought, overall. So that's a little bit of an update on the WWE side of things. Uh, I missed Raw this week, I have to admit. I stupidly watched the Panthers game on Monday Night Football, which is a big mistake that, that I made. Uh, so I didn't get to watch any of that, even with my grandparents. I, I actually had to force my way out to watch the Panthers look like goofballs uh, for some reason. Uh, but uh, all intents and purposes, as a lot of people liked it, uh, said it was a well-done story. I'll check it out when I can. Uh, we'll see about that <laughs> going forward pretty much. But with that said, as you mentioned numerous times, Nello, Wrestle Dream coming up uh, October 1st, Antonio Inoki's passing day one year later. Um, lots of stuff there. I did a show on Eastern Lariat, which uh, I would recommend everybody check out. I probably got to re-release that on YouTube, so check out the YouTube page. Uh, for that, uh, I was four-hour audio documentary on Antonio Inoki. I did with a fantastic historian, uh, Ken wow. Stock. Uh, like I said, it was a, a like in all honesty, I'm not trying to big up myself or anything, but a lot of work was put in between me and Cameron, and uh, man, it was a lot, <laughs> a lot we got into. Yeah, hundred percent. Put yourself over. That's awesome. Oh uh, yeah, four hours. Like I said, it's like literally an audio documentary. <laughs> Went from his days. Uh, how he had to leave the country to go to Brazil when he was a young man uh, to the Anoki Ali fight to his time in JWA, getting kicked out of the country for his shady business dealings. Even back then, more shady bu- business dealings and then even more shady political dealings as we got <laughs> further on into his run, obviously, as the booker. But a lot about his wrestling, too. So it was good stuff there. Obviously, Wrestle Dream is a tribute to Anoki. Oh, that's another thing we didn't even mention. This show, despite the name and the well-intentioned seemingly of it, there really is no no link to Inoki, really, on this show. Not even really a New Japan guy that you could point to that would be there, which really the only one would be Tanahashi at this point. Or Shibata, if they like he's on Ring of Honor, you could at least bring him over for a match, you would think. Uh, I'd yeah. like to see something like an Inoki tribute match of some sort. Yeah, no, I'd love that. Yeah. So, but still, though, uh, we'll talk about it uh, next episode, and we will review the show when it comes out as well. Uh, it remains to be seen if it'll be as fast as this one uh, for Grand Slam, but I, I hope it is because I had a ton of fun talking with you, Nello. Uh, thank yeah. you so much for the time, and uh, as always, like I said, at the end of the show, this is your zone now. This is your time. This is the Nello Respect Zone. We are entering, and anything you Ooh. want to say, you got. Yes. Um. Shout out Tino. I love you. Tino. Um, love that, brother. One thing I wanted to touch on real quick was Sukebon. Is oh, yes. This yes. Saturday. Or, God, it's tomorrow, I think. Um, oh. or, or Friday. Sometime this weekend. I don't know. But <laughs> basically, I know that since it's a U.S.-based promotion, is that our territory? Yeah, absolutely. Oh! <laughs> New York Stringer! City, baby. I'm doing the Seth Rollins laugh right now at Striga. I'm like, I got a show. <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, I wonder what he thinks of this. I'm going to have to ask him the next time we talk. I know he's going to be at WXW live, but oh, uh, I'm awesome. going to ask him what he thinks about Sukabond at some point. I'm, I'm sure he has no idea this exists, but I will <laughs> ask him about it. Yeah, it could be something fun to cover this weekend. And then I just uh, 
wanted to say, I guess, in my outro was um, I'm a really big fan of the fact that they're streaming on TikTok. That was kind of a point of contention today. Yeah, um, the whole I think, promotion. Uh, not to cut you off. I'm sorry I did that twice to the show. No, but you're good. This whole company is a point of contention, it seems like, because they're – and I'm not saying everything's perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they are clearly trying to do things different than everybody else has done it before. And this is another case of that with the TikTok streaming here. And, and what did you think of that when you saw that? I love it. I think that, you know, anyone that is over the age of 18 honestly doesn't have their finger on the pulse in the way that people under 18 do clearly with TikTok. Like, yeah. I, I know TikTok is massive, but I still don't understand, like, the scope and the actual impact it has on society just because I don't use it really outside of, like, for work. Um, but, like, man, when I was looking at their feed – like the way that they structure and style their feed from the thumbnails to the quick like gifts that play in the videos, everything yeah. is so slick and it pops. And then you look at something, I tweeted this earlier, but like AEW or WWE, no text, general thumbnails, like the things about Sukebon are like, you know, social media marketing, fucking strategy 101, and they're doing it extremely well. Um, like, okay, if, if, People say, oh, they're on TikTok, wow, blah, 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 right? Those are probably the same people who, one, stream shit on cable. And two, it's like, what the fuck do you want? Do you want to have another thing that gets buried on Fight Plus, the world's worst fucking streaming app? Because there's literally <laughs> no categories, no nothing. Like, it's a nightmare. Like, I'm trying to find the GCW show that aired last night, and I have to, like, go through, like, hillbilly fights slap fight and fucking like bare knuckle i'm like what is this um iwtv and then they're pretty much buried on there too or it's like do they stream on twitch which we've seen has no real lasting value because circle six tried that and youtube um not to say that circle six isn't some you know comparable thing but in the grand <laughs> scheme of us-based things they have more name recognition in the u.s and atticus kogar something in the u.s independence scene than a, a suke bond but I don't – there's no existing model that I think where this feels like, oh, fight, IWT, whatever, right? And it's like, do people want to shop them to some bullshit network like MLW's on? You know, like let's – I would love to put 10 fans in a room, like name the channel MLW's on. Someone's going to be like, oh, Corncob TV? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm very excited to see how this works because, you know, so much of independent wrestling and getting word out and, like, like knowledge or whatever or just um, visibility is predicated on, like, GIF accounts, right? Clipping matches and stuff like that. Like, And that's yeah. why a lot of those matches and independent wrestlers nowadays wrestle in that clip style, right? We've talked about that. Sukebon is really holding the power in their own hands. By keeping everything on the platform on their account, they're in control of it and they're setting themselves up perfectly because one, accessible, two, three, three, it's fucking well organized. It's all right there. Like my only, I think the next thing that we see now is one how does the stream go two how many viewers are at the max and what's the average and then three and i think that you know this is probably most important is what their archive process is like are you going to split up the matches one by one on tiktok we know we can do much longer form videos now you're obviously not going to post the, the show in its entirety but like how will these things be archived um 
what yeah so that, sorry that's my sukeban rant but yeah i'd love to chat it this weekend yeah absolutely i, I will give it a look <laughs> i think it's something very unique i don't know what the plan is with this tiktok you know because that can mean a number of different things like how they're going to do it how are they going to chop this up will it be shorter will the matches be clipped is this a first start <laughs> like streaming live and then maybe they have all kinds of trips because if you look at the the stuff they put on Twitter or X or whatever, their videos are very much anime influenced. You know, like the style they have, they'll cut from anime versions of the the characters to the real life versions of the characters. Uh, they have a fantastic talent on their roster. I will say that. Like that's one thing you could look at. The appeal of this, though, maybe I think they're purposely trying to do a lot of things different um they're not trying to appeal necessarily to the normal wrestling fans they want to get a whole new audience that maybe maybe never knew anything about wrestling in the first place maybe never followed wrestling maybe doesn't know anything about pro wrestling so now you see this wild out of control you know half anime half real wrestling show and that's going to get some attention maybe in the same way that you've seen TV shows about wrestling or the glow show. And that's kind of what this kind of reminds me of a Joshi version of your women of wrestling or glow. Uh, so we'll see. It seems more lighthearted than something that I think there'll be great matches on. But obviously a lot of these wrestlers are normal wrestlers in Japan, but they're playing outrageous characters for this. The best of which clearly is commander Nakajima, uh, like uh, clearly like Arisa Nakajima change a big change to her name. Just put her in a hat and call her Commander Nakajima <laughs> pretty much was their big change. And then you have like Risa Sarah is Lady Antoinette, which is like an English woman, I, I guess. Uh, there, It's very weird. They have so a lot of it's outrageous. A lot of it's outside the box. It's something different to the scene. I'm willing to give it a chance. I don't know if this appeals to me per se, but I like that they're trying something different to maybe maybe it won't appeal to me or maybe even you when you watch it. But it'll appeal to a different kind of audience, a different kind of fan base, similar to a lot of people made this comparison to Lucha Underground. When that first hit the scene, it was something radically different from anything we'd seen before while using the Lucha as their base template. And I think that's how this feels. (laughs) And my first thought was, imagine if TikTok was around when Lucha Underground was instead of fucking El Rey Network. Like, no disrespect, but again, it's something no one gives. Rest in and peace. it's like, dude, the Angelico, that crossbody off uh, Cuerto's office or whatever. Into the yeah, ring, that was an epic moment. Yeah, that's fucking dude. That's a million views minimum on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Like, that is what I'm saying is like, you get one moment like that and you're going to get so many people and you can sustain a promotion off like that stuff now. Because, again, like, yep. We and for like, you know, the way the world works is through dialectics where it's like they're going to be new models all the time. And to resist them is to fall behind in a sense. Yeah. Right. Um, some wrestling might not be made to be consumed in three and a half, four hour long shows. Right. Mm-hmm. The young generation. Are they going to sit through those? No, unfortunately, I don't think that the young generation will sit through the DDT judgment shows. But, you know, <laughs> I was looking back at that and the fucking name was literally like 
Judgment 2023, five hours, longest Karakan show hall. Like, longest Karakan hall show or some shit like that. No generation Um, should have sat through that show. (laughs) But I did, unfortunately. It was a dumb idea on my part. But still, uh, Uh, I I, I love the idea of TikTok. I I think it's a great idea. It could be the start of something where if this is successful, guess what? These other companies are going to follow in line real fast. If this turns out to be a big deal. And maybe it'll fizzle out and maybe it won't mean anything, but I think it will. Like, I honestly think this could be a game changer from a business perspective, from a streaming perspective, from a wrestling perspective. I'm not as confident, but I'll give it a shot at least. And I I like that they're doing innovative things and trying to be different because look what we complained about a lot with a lot of the stuff on the show that we didn't like on the AEW show. A lot of this stuff are tropes from a bygone era that needs to die. Like it's it doesn't work anymore. It worked in the 70s when there was no instant replay in every sport. The technology was different. How we watch is different. Everything was different. And that's where a lot of these tropes came from. And they need to die because they make the show look cheap and stupid and bad. And maybe this is something where suddenly the person running Sukaban seems to be very forward minded. Maybe has more of a youthful mindset. Uh, I don't even know who the owner is, uh, to be honest with you. But whoever they are, uh, I think they're doing a great job uh, at the end of the day of marketing. And we'll see how the wrestling comes. But, yes, we will absolutely cover Sukabon. That is an American company in New York. I'm still utterly confused about how, like, out of nowhere, seemingly, five different Joshi companies popped up in America. But this one is the one that I think has the most buzz to it. Um yeah yeah okay sorry to interrupt it's tomorrow 5 p.m my time so what you're you're two hours ahead of me right yeah so that'll be seven so yeah yeah okay yeah i'll give it a shot i'll watch it on tiktok Uh, i've never been on tiktok before actually to be honest with you uh but i will i will get on there for this show Uh, this so. this is how they get us, man. The the, it was the government didn't get us on TikTok, so now they got Sukabod <laughs> to get us wrestling fans on the fucking app, bro. <laughs> the Sukabod conspiracy. <laughs> they needed everyone. They got the Joshi fans, dude. Oh. <laughs> oh, my indie match of the week: Cody Chun, best pro uh, pure babyface Northwest versus Allen Angels in the Prestige Wrestling Cascadia Cup Finals on IWTV from this past July. Sorry. No, I don't apologize at all. (laughs) We we introduced the match of the week on TV, on the the X page, and now on the show, we get an even bigger spotlight for the indie match of the week here. Uh, The match of the week on uh, the Twitter page was Chris Sabin versus Leo Rush from Impact 1000, the thousandth episode of Impact Wrestling, all the way to the TNA days. Uh, even Raisha Saeed made it uh, on TV once again. Uh, so somehow in, in this world that we live in. Uh, but that was a great match. And uh, everybody check out all of the indie matches of the week from this episode and all of the episodes coming forward. Uh, as always, though, thank you for joining me, Nello. Uh, you, I loved your insight. I loved your takes. Loved the fun. Loved talking about Sukabon, which we will talk about more. Uh, this is something a little bit outside the box. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. But uh, as always, check out uh, check out the the links on Twitter. We've got all the links on the page. To be honest with you, we put it up on Cage Match every week, and even to your game as well. We put on there like everything right. we we've, we've got. Uh, of course, no. Like I said, everybody needs to be supporting you in every way, and hopefully me <laughs> as well. I mean, I don't want to 
bury myself now, but like I said, we're in this together. Uh, you have definitely picked up the ball with crime update. We, we will talk about, but that will not be happening anytime soon. Instead, the only crimes we, we can commit are those of passion, passion for wrestling right now. So hopefully you guys feel the same. Let us know what you think about Grand Slam. Let us know what you think about Sukabon. Uh, follow them uh, online. Go go to their page, Sukabon World or Sukabon underscore World would be a- accurate. Look up some of their videos. Look at what they're doing. It could be a game changer in the wrestling business in terms of output and streaming and how they're going to do it. Very much worth keeping an eye on. So with that said, you know I love you. And until next time, this has been your Wrestle Update.